Praise God. <laughs> it's good to be here this morning. I'm glad you're with us. Thank you, uh, Mike and Taylor, for a wonderful job of uh, leading us to worship. Um, just some technical difficulties with our uh, Facebook Live thing. Uh, for some reason, my phone, Facebook won't let me do it in landscape mode. I got to do it in portrait mode. So we're going to be looking into that. But hey, we're online. So praise God. And I'm glad you're here. Amen. Uh, now, as we look in the world today, uh, obviously there's church attendance. It's, it's funny, we use the word church attendance as if uh, we attend church. Um, we don't attend church, we are the church. But uh, church service attendance, physically being here, uh, in the last a uh, number of years has actually been um, declining, but it's not as straightforward as, as some might assume. According to Tom Rayner, he's the former CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources, he said that the number one reason for the decline in church attendance is that members attend less frequently than they did just a few years ago. About 20 years ago, he said, a church member was considered active in the church if he or she attended three times a week. Today, a church member is considered active in the church if he or she attends three times a month. So a large part of that change isn't fewer believers as much as it is in less consistent attendance. And that's what we're going to talk about this, this morning, and, and I hope you're here Look, I, I know that we are in a strange place right now in churches. We can't gather and, and, and congregate like we're used to to worship together. But I praise God for being able to reach out into our, our church family and into our community with Facebook and YouTube and other electronic means. And it's just a blessing to be able to do this. So I believe that uh, we can have church like this, or we can be the church, but let me encourage you to attend every, every time you get a chance. Uh, go back and even watch old videos and, and, and sermons during the week, uh, just to get your heart lifted up, and, and God ask God to use those. So we're going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God, for the ability, Lord, that you have to reach into people's lives and hearts. Lord, we thank you for your word that does the work through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Father, I pray that as we dig into your word this morning, that you would be glorified in all of us, in all of this, Lord God, and that we could uh, love, connect, grow, and serve you, Lord God, as, as a body of believers, like never before, Lord, through, through whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Pastor Kerry uh, Newhoff gives a number of reasons for this trend, uh, why it's continuing to increase. He said that family, uh, the families are putting more emphasis on kids' activities. For example, when I was a kid, 
Um, schools didn't hold events on Sundays. They, they didn't do anything on Sundays. As a matter of fact, very few kids were on travel teams, so there wasn't all these, these travel things that were going on. And um, these things have more regularly cut into uh, church. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember when, when our kids were in, in sports, uh, when we started, they didn't play games on Sunday. But by the time we finished up, they were needing to play games on Sundays. Um, another thing that, that is pushing this trend a little bit more um, is that there's a, the blended and the single parent families often have to split the amount of time that families can spend at church. So there's not a lot of attendance there. And finally, he suggests that people just uh, don't feel guilty about missing church anymore. Now, I'm glad about the last one because conviction is from God, but guilt isn't. So while the Holy Spirit may, may convict you and urge you to be in church, be involved in church, uh, that's for your own growth and for your own good. Um, but it isn't, guilt is not a good reason to be here. But there are some good reasons. And nowadays we have a, we're in this place where we have to gather together in, in a different way where Facebook and YouTube and online streaming was, was once used uh, uh, mainly by, by either larger churches or, or, or whatever to, to get the message out. Now it seems like every church is, is in this position because we have to. And where it used to be that you, you saw people doing a lot of bragging and, and to tell the truth, there was some stupid stuff that was going on on Facebook Live. The, the truth of the matter is churches are using it to reach their, their church body and into the community like never before. And, and we have to get together in a different way than we ever had before. Many pastors are concerned about these trends. They're, they're disgusted. They're, they're, they're frustrated with these changes in culture. And, and, and you know, they're, they're actually, it might be because of job security or, or, you know, they're afraid that the church is falling apart. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. I'm not even disgusted because these are the times that you and I have been given. God has made me a pastor. He could have made me a pastor at any other time in history. And he could have placed you in his church at any of those other times, but he didn't. He placed you in now for, for such a time as this. First Chronicles chapter 12 lists uh, uh, um, uh, the mighty men and warriors who came to fight and to help King David. In verse 32, it mentions uh, people from Issachar. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Maybe this verse simply means that these men understood the times in such a way that they knew that David was a better leader than Saul. Perhaps it meant that these men kept, kept a... Uh, had a deep understanding of fighting and, and human nature. Maybe they even understood 
politics. Either way, I think that this verse shows us that we can ignore the times around us and watch it pass by. Or we can understand the times that God has placed, within, uh, placed us within and respond to them in wisdom. Just as the men from Issachar uh, put their lot with David's success, I can tell you that I am putting my lot. I'm going full force with everything I have and believe that the local church is headed for a greater time in history than ever before. I don't even know if there's ever been a time in history where God's church has been even more relevant and more desperately needed than now. And speaking of job security, I don't think that there has ever been a better time or been a time when the church has had so much work to do. And one of the reasons I have such hope for the church is that Jesus established it and promised that it would prevail no matter what the times were, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter what it faced. The local church, the church will keep on going. You see, Simon Peter rightly identified Jesus as, a, as the Messiah. Jesus asked, so who do you think I am? And, and Paul said that, that, well, you're the Messiah. That's who I think you are. And Jesus responded by saying, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. In this passage, Matthew um, in this, this passage in Matthew, Jesus established the church. The Greek word translated for church is ekklesia or ecclesia, which is the local assembly or gathering. It's interesting to note that the word church in the Bible never refers to the building, never refers to the four walls. It's always a gathering of people. So the building that I am in, is not the church. You and I are the ecclesia. We are the local gathering in the name of Jesus. The Greek word for Peter, Petros. That's Greek word for the, the Greek word for rock is Petra. So Jesus was using Peter's name as, as kind of like a play on words. And it would, it would be like if your name was Rocky and Jesus said to you, you are Rocky and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus is the foundation of everything that the church does. The church is built on the foundation and the platform of Jesus. And Peter, you see Peter saying that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's what the foundation is. That's the very bedrock, the cornerstone of the church being built. Because we have made that declaration, we know that we are part of Jesus' church. And what a tremendous power and responsibility Jesus gave to the church in verse 19. Jesus said this, I will give you the keys of heaven or excuse me, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now we know that only God can forgive sins, and only God can save people. So this isn't the power to go down, and there's, there's no good power to go down in the, in the lives of you're saved, you're saved, you know, you're not saved. Nope, definitely not you. We can't do that. So what does it mean when Jesus says that, that, that we as the local church have the power to bind and loose things on, in, in heaven and on earth? Well, let's say this. Say that the gospel, say that the gospel is, is like a, a fully loaded 2020 Mustang Shelby GT350. It has all the power that you need for the work that it's going to do. Its job is to go fast. You can't make this car go faster or perform any better if, if you open up the door and started trying to push it like a skateboard. Under your power, it's not going to do any better. It has all the power. Now imagine Jesus comes up to you and says, here's the keys, my child. Where are you going to take it? And that's what I think this passage is saying. The power to bring freedom and to break chains is found in the gospel. The gospel doesn't need us. But Jesus values you so much, and Jesus wants to be in relationship with you so deeply that you, he wants you to be a part of his work. So he says, here's the gospel. Here's the keys. Where are you going to take it? And the church has the authority to bring the full power, the full truth of heaven with it to a hurting and sinful world. Or... We can just park in the garage. Now, as long as the Lord allows me to have influence in his church, the part of the ecclesia that I'm in, the gathering that, that contains me, will not put the gospel, we're not going to put the gospel in the garage. We're not going to pull the gospel into the, keep it, keep it all pretty and polished and shiny. Listen to the engine purr and put it back away because we don't want it to get dirty. As far as I have influence, we're going to take those keys. We're going to, we're going to start it up. And we're going to use that gas pedal to come screaming out of the driveway, put the pedal down, and see what the gospel of Christ has under the hood. We're going to see what the freeing power of Jesus can really do in our community. To see what the gospel can do, not only in our lives, but through our lives into the community and even the world. Now, it might get a little messy. We might get a chip in the windshield. It might get a ding in the side. But this car was meant to be driven. 
We've been given the keys to the kingdom. So we're going we're gonna to take it forward and move by His power under His protection of grace and through the leading of His Spirit. So what is loosed here on earth will be loosed in heaven for all of eternity. And the, the gates of hell will not stand against us. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, I hate organized religion. And I understand why. Throughout history, we have gotten uh, our mission and our, our, our purpose all messed up. And we have forgotten what God truly meant for us to do. We thought church was about structure and hierarchy. When in reality, it was about the people that we are called to reach. But the best thing about organized religion is that it organizes. When we organize, we can get some things done. God has called us to gather together to find ways to live, share, and spread the truth and power the gospel. We have a common mission. We have a common call. And we can't complete it without each other. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, Paul said, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, you can get some things done all by yourself. You can get something done all by yourself. For instance, I've got two cameras on me now. I've got all kinds of computers and wires and everything. Now I can start all of this like I, like I do for Sunday school. Start everything, start recording, push go live and all this stuff. Then walk up on stage. I can get that done. But it's so much easier when I share the load. It's, it's kind of like a hand. If you have a thumb without a hand or other fingers... In the end, a thumb by itself isn't good for much beyond sticking it in one of your ears as a plug or just giving a thumbs up. But in conjunction with fingers, there is no end to the things your thumb can grasp, open, move, pull, shape. And it's the same way with the body of Christ. Our different gifts working in conjunction with others open up ministry and gospel opportunities that we could never imagine on our own. You can't be all that you're created to be without us. And we can't all be created to be what we're created to be without you. Now the trends of the church Tell us that attendance is down. But we don't have to be subject to the trends of our culture. As a matter of fact, we as a church are called to change and shape our world together with the power of the gospel. 
And it's the power of, the, of God that, 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 that and it's the power that God gives us when we come together. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 tells us not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I'm not asking you to do, add something more to your busy life. I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting that, that, that we all work together for the kingdom of God and make it a priority in our lives since it's really the only work that matters. One essential expression and work of that priority is for us to continue working together, meeting together. It may look different than it has ever looked before, but God is not limited by space or time. I believe that God hears Everybody that prays at the same time. Now, our need to gather together goes beyond what we can get done or do. It actually affects who we are and what we become. We find in the Bible that the followers of Jesus were meant to be fueled by, equipped by, and connected to the local church. You don't have to go to this church, but the Bible says that we should be connected to some church. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The message of Christ dwells among us. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. See, we are called to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus, to experience greater freedom in His Spirit, and to undergo a more complete transformation into His likeness. But do you see how that happens? The next line in those verses say, as you teach and admonish one another. Admonish means to caution, correct, or urge. This is both the frightening and at the same time the powerful thing about getting together regularly. We are, are all a little home blind. There, there are things that there, there are ways that we are all a little off and maybe even a little wrong. And we have these different blind spots, different experiences, different strengths, different weaknesses. And and we're, we're used to doing and seeing things our own way. But if you want to grow to the next level, in the way you follow Jesus, you have to get beyond your own voice and your own interpretation of God's word. And I'm not saying that that's the easiest thing to do. But when was going beyond average ever been easy? When was being sold out and being all in for anything ever been comfortable? This getting together, this meeting, this assembly is important for our growth, our unity, and our purpose. No wonder the Bible tells us not to forsake it. 
When we gather together, I would bet I seldom tell you something you don't already know at some level. In fact, if I say something that most of you have never considered, it's probably somewhat questionable. It reminds me of a couple that was having problems remembering things. During a checkup, the doctor tells them that they're, they're physically okay, but they might want to start writing things down just to help them to remember. And then later that night while watching TV, the man gets up from his chairs, from his chair and he, he says to his wife, he says, want anything while I'm in the kitchen? Would you get me a bowl of ice cream? She said, sure. She says, don't you think you should write that down so you can remember it? Nah, I can remember a simple bowl of ice cream. Well, I'd like some strawberries on top, she answered. And maybe you should write that down. He says, I can remember that. You want a bowl of ice cream with strawberries. I also want whipped cream. I'm certain you'll forget that. Write it down, she says. Irritated, he, he says, I don't need to write it down. I can remember it. Ice cream with strawberries and whipped cream, for goodness sake. After about 20 minutes, the man returns from the kitchen and hands his wife a plate of bacon and eggs. She stares at the plate for a moment and asks, where's my toast? Just like that couple, one of our biggest problems is that we need a constant reminder of the truth. There's so much in this world that is questioning and contradicting and attacking the truth. When we, when we gather, even if it's online like this for now, we are reminded of the, the truth of God's word, the truth of who God is, and the truth of who we are in Jesus. I'm not concerned with how people attending church less often makes our attendance lower. I'm concerned that if we forsake meeting together, the truth will quietly slip from the forefront of our minds and will almost imperceptibly buy into and live according to the lies of this world. It amazes me how quickly I can forget God's uh, or, or question God's goodness, his power, his love, and involvement in my life. Preparing for this and gathering with all of you every week helps me keep my life on track and, and, and what I believe in my heart. We also do this so that we can bring real help and support for life's difficulties. Come on. Right now, who isn't having difficulties? I mean, even if you aren't worried about bills, or you're able to stay home and you don't have to go out and get stuff, food. I mean... This has thrust upon us uh, 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 more time together. And 
That might even bring some difficulties even in the best relationships. But the truth is that all of us go through the ringer at some time in some way. And when the, tr- the tough times come for you, I want your church family to be there for you. When the tough time comes for me, I want you to be there for me. And what a beautiful thing it is when we can extend that grace and care for one another. Then there's there's even a more important reason for us to gather together every week. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about our Creator and our Savior. Every week we gather to to pray and to read His Word and, and, and sing songs of worship to Him. We gather together and do this. Not for our praise, but so that God would be praised. First Chronicles 16.29 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. We need to worship God. To worship is to declare who God is and what place He has in our lives. As we make that declaration, our hearts, our minds line up with the truth of our worship. Worship actually transforms us. C.S. Lewis said, In the process of being worshipped, God communicates His presence to men. As we worship together, we draw near to God. As, As you can see in the Bible, the human who comes close to God Leaves changed forever. And, and Jesus told us in Matthew 18, 20, he says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So we gather together to draw near to God. It's an essential part of our personal relationship with Him. But even if worship did absolutely Nothing for us. We still would gather to worship God for no other reason than because He deserves it. A.W. Tozer said, Sometimes I go to God and say, God, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship thee as long as I live and in all ages to come for what thou hast done already. He said, God's already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he has done for me. God isn't suffering from low self-esteem where he needs our worship. He is not lacking our praise. He simply deserves it. Our time together provides a wonderful opportunity for us to express our thanks to the Savior. And and there's nothing like the church when it's working right. And that's why there is little that is as sickening, pathetic, and tragic as as a church that is not working right. 
Is there anything more disappointing than a gathering of believers who have decided to park the gospel in the garage to keep it clean, safe, and pure? What amazing honor, what an amazing honor, trust, and privilege that God has given us. Do you see how highly he thinks of you as part of the the ecclesia, this gathering of believers? It's part of it's it's our job to do the, the best to make sure it's working right. But it only works right if we realize that the church is not the building. I think we have forced been forced into that here recently. The church is not the building. It certainly isn't the pastor. It's not a denomination. It's not staff, it's not deacons, it's not elders. It's it's an assembly of followers of Jesus who are united by love for him. A church that's that's working right is a church where every individual in the gathering takes his or her place in in the gathering, the ecclesia, with the determination to take the keys of the kingdom and charge forward with the gospel of Jesus for the glory of his name and for the freedom of his people. For the sake of the health of this church, for the sake of your own growth, for the sake of those we are called to reach, I want to challenge you to be the church with me every week, period. Let's gather together so that we can be the church that God has called us to become. All around us, social media, you see all these hashtags, hashtag together. We're in this together. You see, uh, if you watch TV, you see, you see you know, it, it seems like every commercial break, you see some kind of you know, hashtag, we're, we're, we're in this together, or they, they take the rainbows, and, and they're, they're, there's hope. The truth is that God's word has said that for centuries. We, as a church, an ecclesia, a gathering, has been, has been saying, has been proclaiming that we are better together. This local church, for almost 70 years, we are better together. Look, if you don't have a church home, if you live in this area of Middle River, Essex, White Marsh, um, Rosedale, even even in in western part of, or the eastern part of Baltimore City, let me invite you to become a part of this body of believers. When we start having Services again where we can gather. I would love to meet 
those who have come as part of our, our Facebook and our YouTube church gathering, ecclesia. But if you don't know Jesus, let me invite you to be a part of his family, no matter where you are. No matter what church you go to, God loves you. And he wants you to be a part of what he is doing in the world today. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners. We've all missed the mark. We've all done things in our lives that we are not proud of, that we shouldn't have done. And yet, that's what separates us from God. And the only way that you can have fellowship with God is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He died for your sins so that you can have relationship with God the Father. But praise God, he didn't stay there in the grave. He was resurrected to life. He was dead, and now he's resurrected. And he did that so that you could have eternal life. The Bible describes him as the first fruits of the resurrection. That means there's more to come after him, and you can be a part of that. If you want that, and you felt something inside of you pulling you towards God or pulling you towards what I was saying here, it's all about this moment here. Putting your faith and hope and trust in God and what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible tells us if we profess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. Would you pray with me for that this morning, if that's you? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we praise you. Lord, I, I confess that I need a Savior. That I need someone to wipe away my sins. Lord, save me. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you are raised from the dead. I give my life to you because you gave your life for me. Make me a new creature, a new creation. Change me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, I pray for those who have put their trust in you today. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Help them grow in their knowledge of who you are. Lord, I pray for those who have not made that decision yet. And I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to reveal yourself to them.
Let them know that the goodness of the Lord, that your long-suffering is what leads them to repentance. Father, let them realize that they need you. Father, we thank you for your church. It seems at times that she has had a black eye, but she is still your bride. I pray that you would help us become the church that you had in mind when you, when you created us. Help us to love, connect, and grow, and serve each other together as we take our place in this gathering. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I thank you for joining us this morning. If you, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, please email us at middleriverag at gmail.com middleriverag at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and just give us a private message. We have some, uh, some resources for you that you help you grow in your faith and in your knowledge of God. And uh, let us know so we can pray for you. If anybody, uh, if you support our church, if you're part of our family here, um, or if you want to support our church, uh, we're going to provide a link so that you can give electronically um, or, or let us know. Um, that way we can get you the information on how to do that. Uh, and I thank you for joining us once again this evening or this morning. God bless you.